This episode of Buffy Verse and Converse is brought to you with limited commercial interruptions by Content Club. Available patreon.com slash clockshelves. You get early and uninterrupted episodes of Buffy Verse and Converse, as well as our sister shows Paul and All, MCU and Me, and so much more, including bonuses that you only get over at Content Club. Check it out, patreon.com slash clockshelves. to another episode of Buffy vs. and Converse. As always, I am Paul Casey, and I am delighted to be joined once again by some of our returning guests. Uh, we have with us today, Kiona, Bill, Ruth, and Lisa. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. Hey. Hi there. Hello. Uh, I want to give a specific shout out to Lisa. She missed uh, one or two episodes. We are absolutely delighted to have you back, Lisa, joining us for, unfortunately, a, in my opinion, not so great episode. So I do apologize about that. Um, I didn't want to necessarily say anything uh, too early on when we were talking about this one. Uh, but yeah, um, this is definitely not one of my favorites um i'm sure when we get to the to you know everybody's individual takes um i'm sure uh, we're gonna hear some stuff about especially from bill how this is very much a season seems like a season one episode today we're going to be covering the episode killed by death um and as always i will start the episode off with the fantastic facts and i'm not gonna lie it was actually difficult to get some because this episode, in my opinion, just has not a whole lot going for it. But uh, the fantastic facts that I have for this episode are, number one, much of the background music for this episode is actually featured as the menu music for the DVD release. So um, I remember when we got together uh, recently, I instead of watching via Hulu or anything like that, I actually did play it via the, the DVD and upon watching it this time, I was like, oh, that's that's that music. Um, fantastic fact number two, as a child, Buffy pretended to be Power Girl, which is actually an alternate universe version of Supergirl, the female cousin of Superman. Uh, so mm -hmm. I, th I thought that was kind of interesting that they didn't just go with the traditional Supergirl, they went with Power Girl. Um, yeah. Fantastic fact number three, James Jude Courtney, who plays Der Kinderstad, uh, also played The Shape, a.k.a. Michael Myers, in the three new Halloween films, those being Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. So it's kind of interesting because, of course, as we, I'm sure we'll get into, a lot of people think that uh, the character of Der Kinderstad was based almost on a Freddy Krueger type thing, but yet the the portrayer of the character went on to play Michael Myers. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And then my very last fantastic fact this episode is that uh, the creator of the show, Joss Whedon, uh, mentioned how this episode was just another inspired by things that creeped him out as a kid, uh, basically a various uh, a, or a variation of kind of vague boogeyman type monsters. So um, this was not necessarily, uh, as I said, people thought it was kind of inspired by the Freddy Krueger thing. He says not so much more of the boogeyman and, you know, just kind of things that creeped him out as a kid and whatnot. Um, but I, I'm I'm not going to lie. I try. I, before we get into these, you know, we'll we'll all kind of chat a little bit and whatnot. And, I, you know, as we are that are on the podcast, all know. Um, you know, we try to keep actual discussion of the episodes to a minimum and whatnot, but um, I, I just, I, I was not, I'm, I'm not super into this one. This one probably ranks really, really low for me. I don't know if anyone else feels differently about it, 
Um, but it just, I, and don't get me wrong, I have no problem with Monster of the Week episodes. We've talked about plenty of them. I think if they're done well enough, you know, that's that's one thing. But this episode was just almost nothing to me. It's actually not my least favorite episode of season two. I will put that out there. There <laughs> is one other that, that ranks even lower for me. But yep. uh, this, this one is yep. just... It hasn't happened yet? <laughs> it has not. No. <laughs> I am so glad someone else knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of... My first of all, I'd like to, I, I'd like to suggest a new pre, pre-discussion category to go along with fantastic facts. That I, for some reason, I, I think this happens a lot, but for some reason, I picked up on it this episode. Maybe because there was nothing else to pick up on, but um, <laughs> there needs, I think there needs to be a Xander nickname shout out, I, as we used to do in the Lost podcast with Sawyer nicknames. Yeah. Because tonight uh, on this episode, he called Angel Overbite, and he called the security guard Rogaine Boy. So <laughs> I, I don't know if it happens a lot, but I'm going to watch out for it. And if it does, <laughs> I'm going to bring them up each week. Fair enough. Um, the uh, uh, the guy who played the security guard, I want to say say yes. his name is. Uh, I'm going to look it up right here. Willie Garson. I believe he actually just passed away within the last uh, two to three years or so. Um, he's very much like you know a, a character actor. He's like, oh, it's that guy who you've seen in yeah. countless things. Um, his as was the doctor. Yeah, the doctor. Yes, the the one who played uh, Doctor Backer, uh, Richard Hurd. Um, the the scenes of them. Not. I mean, obviously, we we don't want to get too too far ahead. But the scenes that they were in, I thought were were really good. You get to, you know, you kind of see why they you know get cast in a lot of stuff. Not necessarily like a main part, you know, but definitely good enough to uh, to keep around here. I did. Um, I had that laugh out loud moment though when, when uh, Cordelia said to him, "You must work out," and complimenting his nose. His nose. <laughs> and, he, and he and he went well. He shook his head and he wiggled his nose a little bit. I was like, <laughs> and "Didn't he do like the the bite, like the <laughs> rawr bite thing?" Yeah, yes, he did. Yes, actually, he did. He actually moved his nose because like she was complimenting his nose. So. <laughs> that was pretty funny. But yeah, I, I'm 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 not gonna lie. I I don't want to say I don't have a lot to say about this episode. Um, one of the the main things from this episode that I kind of took away was uh more of the development of the Xander Cordelia Buffy. I don't want to say triangle. But uh, the 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 V, if you will, not even that, because Buffy doesn't really reciprocate those feelings in that way. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, that was really to me, that was kind of the one of the main the main takeaways of this episode was a little bit more of the development of of that relationship. Um, uh, basically, to to kind of give the, the quick synopsis for this one, um, Buffy uh, comes down with the flu uh and encounters a monster demon what have you that uh can only only those that are sick can see it and it then uh kills them basically kids and um buffy actually unfortunately realizes uh, as things progress that this is the same thing that killed her cousin back when they were kids which uh, gives reason to why she's afraid of hospitals and it all kind of comes full circle for for her character um but yeah other than a few kind of uh you know witty one-liners cordelia has one of my favorite lines uh in the episode uh where she says uh uh t- what oh how did i got it because i want to say the quote exactly hold I on i wrote I ha- it down okay go ahead oh, no go ahead sweet uh she wrote it down uh i wrote it down and it says Tax, tax, tact, can't say that word, is just not saying true stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's just. <laughs> well, Giles one... with the tax, tact going, 
why do I get stuck with, you know, when he was, yeah. when he, why do I have to take, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oops. Um, yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely like that. Um, and, you know, like I said, just a few, a few witty one-liners. Um, we do see, uh, Angel, cause, uh, so Buffy is out patrolling, but she's sick. Uh, the other three, uh, that being Xander, uh, Willow and Cordelia are, they have decided that they're going to patrol instead. Uh, and Jealous comes upon them, tries to take down, uh, Buffy and they kind of send him packing. Um, but she collapses, um, after fighting with him a little bit and then, um, goes to the hospital and whatnot. So at, so at a certain point, Angelus actually comes to the hospital and he and Xander have, you know, a face-to-face and whatnot. Like I said, to me, and I'm I'm sorry, uh, especially to Lisa, I know, because she's not a big fan and I know uh, gone for an episode or two, so missed out on a little bit of Xander slander there. But um, to me, at least, in addition, obviously the main focal point, right, is Buffy and overcoming this thing from her, you know, childhood trauma and whatnot, seeing her cousin die and not knowing why and then defeating this thing, whatever. But like I said, to me, the my other than than that little bit, which is again, uh, you know, pretty much never talked about again. Um, this episode, the kind of the takeaway for me was more of the the development of the um, Xander Cordelia relationship and sort of how Buffy and Angelus influence that, because Cordelia makes it a point to to say to Xander how his involvement with Buffy is not attractive and you know whatever but then she still uh you know brings him uh donuts and coffee and what have you because she knows that it's important to him and you know whatever I got a question (laughs) sorry go ahead oh I got a question so at the beginning when they're there and Buffy's sick and Angel has her on the ground, right? Why do they throw something over him? I'm sorry, Angelus has her on the ground. They throw something over his head, knock him back and scare him off with the crosses. Literally the back is turned. They could put a tarp over his head. Nobody staked him. Like um, how well, the real the real life answer is because it didn't it it's didn't say so line. in the oh, script. My notes <laughs> say I know it's storyline. Uh, it's frustrating. It is. It is. Uh, I, I I mean, it's like I understand in, the in universe. In universe, my explanation would be, um, because at this point, Buffy has to do it because of how much he has hurt her and hurt the people that she loves and whatever that if Buffy doesn't do it, then that'll forever be a thing where she's like, I didn't get to to take him down. Right, but in the meantime, how many people are gonna die that's on her? Because right. yes, you didn't down before, but in the meantime, people are dying because everybody's waiting for you to do it. Right. You know, uh, so like that, that's frustrating as a viewer to to watch that happen. Because well, I think the Angel series was in development at the time. <laughs> right. Um, because uh, we have seen at this point a little bit more about what Angelus has done. And I I, I know, uh, Lisa, that you did miss that episode uh, with, you know, the, the unfortunate death of, of Jenny Callender. I wanted to see if you had anything that you wanted to say on that one um, since you did since. And you and I actually a uh, little peek behind the microphone. I don't know if, I don't think I mentioned this um, on mic, but I had actually reached out to you. You you were unavailable for a little while and I reached out to you and I was like, are you sure you want to miss this one? It's a, it's kind of a big one and you know, I'd really like you to be there and whatnot. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm curious if you had anything that you wanted to say really kind of going back to that episode for a moment and uh, the, the unfortunate death of Jenny Callender. The MCU is ever-expanding, and if you didn't know, we have expanded, and MCU and Me, the podcast by Clock Shelves Entertainment, is now available on 
most of your major podcast platforms. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Uh, so if you aren't already following us, or maybe you have some friends who are getting back into the MCU, maybe doing a deep dive uh, into some of the then-Netflix shows like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, things like that, or maybe even they're catching up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, or they're just going back and watching all of the movies. Uh, Every single pocket of the MCU, of course, is uh, being covered on MCU and Me, so make sure to recommend that they check us out on their favorite podcast platform, uh, MCU and Me, available from Clockshelves Entertainment. So I love Jenny. Um, obviously I was upset, you know, the first time I watched it and everything. Um, and I think this episode, um, it's not my least favorite, but I think it does a good job of kind of playing off of Buffy's guilt, right. For not being able to, to kill Angel and and having that happen. And I think this whole episode is really about Buffy kind of coming to terms with that guilt and getting, you know, retribution, obviously not for for Jenny but at least for her cousin and so I kind of like those those themes that are throughout the episode um mm-hmm. but it was sad you know when Joyce asked Giles you know oh you know I, I heard you guys were close and um you know it's sad it's a missed opportunity really I think when I understand why they killed her off like there had to be uh, kind of like what Bill was talking about a couple episodes ago where like what's going to really prove that Angelus is actually a threat because so far, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. But as we found out in the episode, even when we, when Jenny died, Bill still only sees uh, Angelus as 70% evil. He thinks he's too far too charming to be fully convinced that he's evil. I'm in the night. I am now in the nineties. I'm in the (laughs) nineties. Rising. You've had time to reflect. Yeah. But you know, I was thinking about that watching this episode. And he, yeah, he was, he's jerk. He's getting jerkier, which I like because, like I said, he still had that charming facade behind his facade. Um, but he was really jerky in this episode. But I, I don't know, even, I don't think I'll ever be 100%. I might make it to 99.9. <laughs> but I, I just like harking back to like watching Beauty and the Beast. You know, you know, the Beast is a beast, but you know, inside, there's still somebody else that we've actually already met and was very charming. So it's going right. to be hard to separate. Well, Especially you probably feel how Buffy feels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we know that disc is floating around out there. So. Well, and that's like the that. thing, like you said, you know how Buffy feels. Cause that's, that's the biggest thing is she's still got that. The person that I loved is in there somewhere. And unfortunately it's not, you right. know, the, yeah. the that's how I feel. The person I love is still in there. <laughs> right. but- I love Bill crushing on Angel. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, um, but no, and I mean, even even just this episode, you know, like obviously he doesn't he doesn't feature very prominently. Um, and like I said, I think I saw a thing. I don't know. I only saw it one place. I didn't see it more than one place. I saw that allegedly this episode was kind of written to be uh, done back in season one. And they obviously had to change a few things to to make it be, you know, fit in with the season two story. Again, I don't know how much I believe that because I only saw it one. uh, I saw it on IMDb. And as we know, as we've talked about before, that's, you know, anyone can can edit that. Um, But uh, they do similar to the last few episodes they do kind of try to you know push the fact that angelus is he's our bad guy now right because he you know he says to xander about like oh you you know you're buffy's white knight you must hate that i got there first you know and all that sort of stuff and um you know, it's just what, and he, even at the beginning, I, I love what he delivers the line. He says like uh, something along the lines of, um, you know, oh, this is not looking good for our hero or something like that. Cause he's about to take her down before the, the rest of the Scoobies get her or get him. I mean, um, but yeah, honestly, like I said, other than the, than the, the Xander Cordelia stuff, his moments are some of the highlights of the episode for me. And, 
Um, I, I would like to uh, sort of kick it to Kiona right now because as someone else who's, you know, kind of on the same level with the Buffy knowledge, the Buffy love, you know, haven't rewatched it in a while and whatnot. You, I feel like we're we're kindred spirits here in terms of how much we, you know, kind of equally dislike this episode and whatnot. So I haven't mm-hmm. watched it in quite a while. You haven't watched it in quite a while, but I'm assuming you kind of feel the same way that I feel even now rewatching it where arguably, um, and we've said before, uh, you know, uh, I always say I'm a completist when it comes to stuff. You know, I like to watch, you know, if if it's available, I like to watch, you know, all the episodes, even the ones that are terrible and whatnot, and how we've kind of talked how, you know, you have to get through season one to really understand season two. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, with with uh, James and Bill as the, the first time viewers, we would love to absolutely say, skip this, you know, skip, uh, you know, X, Y and Z episodes. But again, you kind of need them. Arguably, this is one that we probably could skip. But for those few character moments, we kind of need it. I- I'm just kind of curious your your thoughts now, looking back all these years later and whatnot. I think it might be needed as just like a sort of a sort of a calming down episode after passion, after, you know, losing Jenny. Uh, you kind of need an episode there maybe to sort of slow things down a little bit or, you know, to give Buffy some time for, you know, like metaphorically to, to grieve in a way. Um, going to what Lisa said, you know, this is kind of like Buffy sort of bouncing back from that loss. Um, I would say for me, it's definitely a skip. Uh, I have no issues at all with, uh, with skipping this one. Um, it's a very much a throwback to season one and it's very like low tier episode in my opinion. It's, it's at least bottom 10 for me. Um, I'm trying to think of some, some stuff in the episode that might be, you know, like I like the shout out to power girl. That was cool. Um, I did like Xander's line in the opening, you know, sort of sequence against Angelus where, um, where, uh, right before the battle, Buffy kind of like, you know, she kind of appears and kind of, uh, she scares him a little bit and he goes, he says something to the effect of, to the effect of like, oh, my life just flashed before my eyes and I really need to get a life. Uh, that was one of my favorites and her lines, um, you know, I mean, I just yeah, the Cordelia line was funny, and Giles, of course, is always is always great. Um, Angelus is the highlight, like you said. To me, it was very much a weaker version of Nightmares. I was just thinking that, yeah, because of just the fact that you had the little kids staring at at Buffy from the shadows and all that. You know, it's it's kind of reminiscent. Um, yeah, Der Kinderstad was was kind of creepy. Uh, you know, it was all right. It was all right. I, mean, I, I just the makeup. I thought yeah. the makeup was very creepy. Like I'm, I'm easily that scared. And I remember when I first watched this episode, I was like, "Yeah, nope. Like not, <laughs> not, not, not vibing with this guy. Like very, very freaky makeup, in my opinion. So that I will give them props for because he's. Yeah. This is one of the yeah. scarier episodes to me. Um, the eye, yeah. the eye thing, the eyes popping out. That was a little creepy. That was that was creepy. Um, I hate that it that the fight ends with her just snapping its neck. Yeah, because how do you know that is it's actually gone? And you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a supernatural being. I don't know that it should have ended like that, but I guess they needed to. You know, they need to stop the threat. So that was it. I mean, at uh, least make, have it visible or poof or something, so something. you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. And can we talk- when we talk about Willow with the frogs, like perfect um oh yeah active for for the for the character at that point, you know, like yeah. She just covered covered for Buffy taking off like frogs, frogs, there's frogs that out. was oh, fun. And it's actually uh for, for those paying attention, it's actually a nice throwback to earlier in the season from What's My Line, where she mentions mm-hmm. like, something I can't remember the exact words, but she says about the fact that she has frog fear. I think she mm-hmm. wakes up from a nightmare or something and talking about frogs or something. And she, she flat out says like, I have frog fear. So um, <laughs> I, I think that's, you know, I, I like when they do little throwbacks like that, where it's, you know, if you get it, you get it. If not, it's still funny. It's still something that's just like 
frogs like whatever but then you know again it's that it's that character development and we've kind of talked about this before where um you know not every episode and not every especially every you know monster of the week quote-unquote episode um has to have you know something that carries over into the next thing but sometimes just those little bits of the character development are enough you know whether it, it could be your b so- storyline or your c storyline or what have you but it's just enough that you know like we said before how this could have been skipped arguably um but it's it like it's just enough that it's like oh okay you know it 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 has those it has those moments that make it you know like the kind of cohesive that it's it still fits in with the storyline of season 2 but it's not necessarily you know, obviously we've had a, an, you know, a big Angelus episode or a few big Angelus episodes, but, but kind of like you said, you know, we need it as sort of the, 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 the calming down uh, piece, because I mean, let's, let's be honest here. We only have about three or f- three, four episodes before the season's done, you know? So uh, we, we, not that we got to wrap it up here, but just a matter of, you know, it can't all be highs. There has to be, I mean, for lack of a better, you know, word, there does have to be a low every so often. The roller coaster can't always go up. You know what I mean? I wouldn't necessarily call this like a relaxing episode, though. I mean, it was creepy. I, maybe I'm just a scaredy cat, but I. Well, I meant. Creepy. I'm sorry. You no, you're right. I didn't necessarily mean relaxing in that sense. I meant more as like a, a you know, like a come down from the the death of Jenny sort of thing. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. Like we like it's the like a, the not a high intensity Angelus uh, yes. episode. That's what I right. meant. Yes. Yeah. It, right. it was definitely an episodic episode. It wasn't part of the serialization portion. Right. Yeah, I can I see I can see where Paul said about that it was possibly a re a rewrite for season one, partly because how little Angel uh, well Angelus was in it, and how there were episodes periodically where you don't see angel in the first thing because it's building her as the as the slayer yeah so we got to remember he wasn't he wasn't a main character technically like a credited main character in season one so like this is this would have worked to build her as the the hero you know in 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 season one in the monster of the week category you know that that would have you know, it would have fit in there with all that. And even, yeah. like I said, for how little he was actually in this, other than that he put, he's the one who put her in the hospital. But, you know, her mother, her mother played that off as, you know, her being um, low because of what happened to Jenny. You know, right. like she got sick because basically she got sick because she was sad. Well, and I mean, you know, we've talked before about the uh, suspension of disbelief sort of thing. Uh, I was recently editing, I think it was the Passion episode, um, where I, especially I feel, I, if I remember correctly, I know it was it was Ruth, I know it was Bill, and it might have been uh, James and Amanda that kind of commented on this, especially being the parents uh, of the of the podcast, if you will. Um, how Joyce, whether she overlooks so much or she's just really, really dumb to so much that her daughter gets into (laughs) when it comes to half the stuff because there's so much that she either, like, and, you know, we've talked about it before, she woke up in in the basement of the school and, you know, believe there was a gas leak. She might remember things about, about, feelings for Xander uh you know she it, even just in that episode passion she randomly runs in the house but also hears Willow reciting Latin which is the uninviting spell you know and all these things that she never and even in this episode I don't remember I don't think Joyce was Joyce there when Buffy's there going like the vampires the vampires yeah. need to be stopped yeah, she right and she's she's referenced fighting vampires before up to this point to her mother yep. and her mother still is just like oh buffy you're such a dumb well, teenager yeah, well, uh, like 
Giles Giles passed it off as the you know stress from the being sick is causing her to have hallucinations or something. Right, but like I said, the fact that she's like referenced it more than once, it's like, um, hmm, Maybe. you know, like Did even have a moment. Was there a Giles Joyce moment where I, I don't know he she said something and he looked and it was kind of an awkward silence. I, when I mean, when they were talking about Jenny, there right? Was she was very, but he kind of had this warm feeling. I don't know, but I kind of got the feeling something might happen between them. But between Giles, between and, Giles and, and, and Joyce, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, they are kind of her parents, so you know, yeah. And 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 she's been in the hospital. Buffy's been in the hospital for how many days? And Joy, Joyce called her dad, but he rushed right there, you know? <laughs> oh, hey, no, he didn't. Right, yeah. Exactly. I, I kind of, there were some things in this episode. I didn't hate it. I got a kick out of the whole, I actually had to go on IMDb because uh, that kid looked like Hale, Hale, Joel Haley Osmond or whatever from Sixth Sense when he had the blanket up around yeah. his chin. I was like, oh man, they ripped off Sixth Sense. But then I went, this was this was before Sixth Sense. It was like a year before yeah. Sixth Sense came. That's right, M. Night Shyamalan. You stole from Buffy. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was ready to bust on Josh again for ripping off, you know, Sixth Sense. But no, it was the other way around. But that He's... kid did look like Haley Joel Osment, too. He really yeah. did. Yeah. Uh... Same premise. Buffy... The only kids could see, you know? Buffy was a brunette when she was a kid. How come? <laughs> Anybody knows, notice that? Well, it's because Sarah Michelle Geller yep. was. <laughs> but yeah, but it was just funny. Like, like when they show her in the in the full light, they kind of like brightened it. But for the most part, she was a brunette. I just find it funny how like nowadays shows are so good at like like even like when you think about Lost, the the child actors they had, you know, to that that were the younger versions of the adult actors were so on point like that child looked nothing like buffy i didn't even realize it was buffy until the end yeah right nothing like it quick interaction that i had recently absolutely nothing to do with this but the fact that you brought up like child actors from from lost lisa um the young woman who played uh kate in the season five finale um in the you know she goes to steal the the thing in the, like the what is it the lunchbox uh-huh um i follow her on like instagram and and tiktok and stuff and it's this time of the year for actors for those who may not know is big uh audition time when i was a kid i wanted to learn to play the guitar so badly <laughs> hi my name is Ryan Kratz, and while I may not be your voice of choice, I am a voice. I just wrote a song, and I would appreciate it if you checked it out. It's called Joke. It's live on uh, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, Android, laptop, Walkmans, Discmans, iPods, anywhere where you listen to music, pretty much. I should have rehearsed this. around this time of the year we're in um april right now so kind of in in february march april uh a lot of actors audition for a lot of things because a lot of pilots are being shot that then get picked up for the fall season to, you know the fall tv season and whatnot and a lot of times um actors do self-tape auditions especially now in the more digital age they don't have to necessarily go in somewhere um you know a lot of people live in various places so not everybody is you know in LA or what have you and um a lot of actors who you may not necessarily see 
consistently, uh, you know, you may not necessarily know their names and whatnot, they audition a lot. And even people that whose names you do know, they, you know, a lot of them still have to audition. It's not just like, oh, I'm so-and-so, I was on this show, you know, just give me a part. You know, you still, a lot of them still have to audition and whatnot. Um, the young lady, I cannot remember her name right now, but the young lady who who played uh, that young version of Kate posted something. It was either, I think it was on on TikTok about how, you know, sometimes because she doesn't get a whole lot of roles, uh, she thinks about giving up, you know, just giving up acting. But and I and I just not thinking anything of it. Like I, I just commented something on the on the on the TikTok uh, about how you know she was on a show, and I think a lot. And I don't I don't think I'm wrong here. I think a lot of people say that she did. She really do, did at least look like a young version of Evangeline Lilly. Like she, I think you know they cast her like perfectly. Um, but I, I just, you know, put a comment on there, something along the lines of, you know, you were on the favorite show of myself and, you know, some of my best friends and it helped change our lives. So you never know what you're going to be on and how that influences people and and whatever. And, um, you know, just just a, kind of an offhand to think like that. And she actually responded back a day or two later and was like, this was so awesome to read. Thank you. So I know that has absolutely nothing to do with Buffy. I'm I'm sorry. I may even end up cutting that out, but I just, the, the child uh, casting thing just made me think of it. And I don't think I've ever shared that story before. That's awesome. It's neat when you can, you know, let somebody know that they had an impact because sometimes they don't get to, especially somebody in that situation where they're playing a, uh, they're playing a young version of a character that people already like or hate um, that, you know, they don't, they don't think of themselves as um, a major player in that storyline. And, you know, if, if it wasn't for those, you know, those kind of things that helps flesh out and build up the character. So right, it makes a difference. And I think it it kind of lends to it, right? Because that's a situation, and I'm not just saying that because the really the and it was what Lisa had said, you know, a lot of times now they try to be better with it, especially on a show where people, you know, they can freeze frame things now, and and you know, you get a little more scrutiny than you did maybe back then because. Obviously, the internet was very new, as we learned in season one of Buffy. You know, <laughs> um, if you're if you're not, what is? It? I just thought of the line the other day. If you're not jacked in, you might as well not even exist, or something. The kid says in that uh, that one where uh, Willow accidentally dates the the demon in the computer. Um, but uh, you know, nowadays there is a little bit more scrutiny to it. So if you don't get someone that looks, you know like the the character that they're supposed to be portraying you know whatever it can become a big thing where it's like oh wow like i feel like if this were done now i don't think that that little girl who played the young version of buffy would have necessarily been cast because like we said there was basically no resemblance you know at least i think you just said a moment ago if they hadn't said you know, hey, Buffy, or whatever, you wouldn't have even necessarily known that that was supposed to be her. Has anybody seen Yellow Jackets on Showtime? I have not. I've heard no. it's fantastic, though. It's it, in my it's, queue. I heard it's they're a group. Yeah, it's a, it's a group. It's a soccer team in a high school. Actually, it's in the Red Bank area down here. Ooh. Um, yeah, fictionally. Um, but they, and it's, it takes, there's a 25-year difference between what happened in the past and where they are now. And they have cast this group of kids, well, the kids, teenage girls, and then 25 years later as adults. I don't know how they could possibly find the, the actresses that play these girls. That they are, they just, they couldn't look any more perfect 25 years older. And they're, you know, they're different people, but. It's almost it's, it's almost like they filmed it 25 years ago to exactly. Wait. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. it's just no makeup involved, no CGI. It's just they look like the adult versions of these kids. Wow. I've heard that show's good. I have not got a chance to watch it yet. Mm -hmm. 
Um, that tells you, by the way, folks, how this episode was that we're talking about stuff that is not this episode. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, man. <laughs> there's not much to it, to be honest. There, There's really... Like I don't, I don't see much here. To no, be frank. there's, there's really not, um, and it's, it's kind of unfortunate. Um, yeah, because especially like we said, because of where this episode falls, right? So let's, I mean, let's just think about this for a moment because we had, uh, I actually have the list right here of the season two episodes. If this had been earlier in the season, so we start out with when she was bad. Uh, then we did some assembly required, which was very, that was the, uh, they tried to turn Cordelia into the bride of, of Frankenstein. Okay. Monster of the week, right? Buffy's kind of getting back to her, her normal self and whatnot. Then Schoolheart, the introduction of, of Spike, um, Inca mummy girl and reptile boy. I feel like this could have fit back then in that, you know mm. what I mean? Like in that sort of thing, because then right after that, we get the episode Halloween, which launches us into Ethan Rain, and that I, I, and I said all the way back then, you know, we kind of go on a, a big serialized kick, and it again, except for this kind of speed bump here, and then you know one more, uh, for sure, unfortunately, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, um, yeah, <laughs> um. Yeah, we uh we just yeah. keep keep rolling, you know, Halloween, lie to me, the dark age, what's my line? That's the Kendra one, uh Ted, bad eggs, eh. um, surprise and innocence, you know, so on and so forth. And then we, you know, pretty much get up to this one. So we've we've been on a decent ride, but again, like this, you know, I would kind of say to, I just probably said it the best way that I could. It's it's more of like a speed bump in this yeah. like really good run of episodes had this been it really before halloween it would have been fine i think right but the idea with the speed bump is to kind of slow you down and and pull you back a little bit and it kind of reminds you that this isn't just about uh angelus it is about her journey as the slayer so it does kind of make sense that after all the other things it like yes this the Angela's storyline is important but we're still supposed to see her as the hero so she gets to be the hero in this that's actually yeah that's a fair point because that is sort of the thing right is it we can't have every episode be well why didn't she stake him this time well why didn't she stake him this time because that seems to be what we've been asking pretty much since he turned right is why didn't she stick him this right. time and obviously we're looking at it from a little bit more of a critical lens you know but no that's actually that is a really good point because it it, it kind of has to reinvigorate our thing of she's even with that why didn't she stake him because she's been kind of defeated the last few episodes in terms of everything going on with him not that she hasn't gotten a win here and there and what what have you but you know, she has been kind of defeated. So she does get a win here, I suppose. So that is a, that is a really good point. Um, Like I said, I, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot other than, than that sort of stuff. Did we, did we have anything that we wanted to talk about, about the, uh, some of the, you know, the character dynamics Um, we see a little bit, like we said before, we see a little bit of the, the, Joyce Giles interactions. We saw some some really the, the really funny line with uh Giles and Cordelia when he's like, why do I have to, you know, as as Ruth mentioned before? Um, obviously I've referenced a few times the Xander Cordelia thing. Um we do have a, a to a point in the you know, helping him look at but then again, she's also annoying going, What's this? What's that? What's this? Who's what is that? How do they, you know? She's very much a toddler in that 20 questions when they're looking through the book. I mean, I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised that Xander didn't bogart Angel's flowers to give to Buffy. Flowers for you. Although he brought her balloons instead. At the yeah, end. He call them flowers, right? Yeah. Probably because he was thinking about Angel's flowers. Right. <laughs> Um, the only thing that, that really did irk me was the final scene 
uh, where Willow and Xander were like, oh, can you get me this? Can you get me that as well? Like Buffy, like, okay, I get it. Like she just got out of the hospital and mom's going to do whatever. But like they, and I get it, they're bratty teenagers, but like, holy crap. I'm just going to say. I thought they were sick. Like I, cause I was questioning why no, why nobody else caught. Like once Buffy was infected, why didn't anybody else catch the bug, you know, the flu, whatever that she had. I thought the two of them. No, they were just, they were just playing it up. But you and Matt Smith used to do that stuff How all old the time. Were we? How old were we? I understand that, but I'm just saying. No, they, no, no. Go ahead, say it. How old were we? I don't know how old you were at the time. Well, him and I stopped. I stopped hanging out around the age of about 13, 14 ish. So that should tell you. Well, something. that's Xander's mental age. So yeah, yeah okay. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't argue that. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, that's. Uh, I mean. Uh, it's very much the equivalent of a of a season one episode. Uh, Kiona, I think you hit the the nail on the head earlier when you said it very similar to uh, to nightmares. And that may, if it was held over from season one, that may be why because it would have been too similar. And then mm-hmm. they, you know, figure like, oh well, we could just do something with it in season two, and you know, maybe people yeah, won't happened. won't nobody notice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been long enough. We can kind of rehash. Uh, you know certain aspects of this of this storyline yeah uh it actually was written uh and i've said it before i don't know how to pronounce the 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 man's last name it's rob it's either day hotel or des hotel and dean batali and it was actually directed by darren seraphine seraphian um who has uh he's been nominated for primetime emmy awards um he's done uh he actually i think he worked on an episode or two of lost i'll have to double check that that's i'm seeing that really quickly in his credits um he worked on uh fringe the cape um a few different things like i don't know i gotta look up what he did on lost because now seeing that i hadn't realized that before so i am incredibly curious uh what he possibly did on lost um interesting but what episode oh the question i don't know just the question mark episode from season two if you know lost you know what one i'm talking about i don't know what we call it do we just call it question mark bill what do you call that one you know what i'm talking about question mark. yeah question mark i was just saying the question mark episode but yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> um about the same time towards the end of season two, by the way, that episode takes place. And it also features, I don't want to say fever dreams, but kind of fever dream sequences. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. That must be his, this guy's uh, calling card directorially. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so, I feel, I feel bad for, if I would have thought about it, this is the time that I should have said like, all right, let's double up on an episode that isn't a double episode because we probably could have talked about this one for about five minutes and then gone right into the next one, <laughs> <laughs> especially because the, the next one is there's a lot to talk about. It's actually I would I would probably put it in. Um, I hesitate to say top 10, but maybe my top 10 of episodes. Um, definitely one of the highlights of season two. I will say very that. good. Yeah. Um, do we I mean, did we have anything else that we really wanted to talk about with the with this episode killed by death? nearly killed me (laughs) (laughs) um i i do apologize to the uh to the listeners out there when this goes up i will i'm going to try to make sure that this episode and uh the (laughs) next one go up relatively soon so we don't leave you with uh, a a not so great taste in your mouth or sound in your ears as it were kind of like this one left for us so um we will try to maybe release uh this one and the next one relatively close together um the next episode we will be discussing is i only have eyes for you and uh i will definitely say that when i had and i don't know if she's remembered at this point what it is but when i had that uh that text conversation with lisa 
uh, a few weeks ago, I specifically said, I want you back for this episode at, you know, the, the, I only have eyes for you episode at the very least. So uh, if she hasn't remembered what the episode is, I'm sure she's uh, intrigued over there going, I- I'm just going to wait for it. I don't remember what it is, but it must be important. Um, <laughs> that, should title, that should have been the title of this episode with those creepy eyeballs popping out. <laughs> That's true. I, I'm so bad with episode titles. Like, like you guys could be like, "Oh, that lost episode of this," and I'm I'm the worst. So I have no idea what the episode's about, but I'm sure you know once I start it, I'll I'll remember. And here's here's the little tease before we get out of here. Not only was the the next episode one where I specifically you know getting in, in touch with Lisa, I said I want to make sure that you're back on this one. It features an a- at least one actor from Lost. In uh, is a back kind of a secondary third rate character, but he did appear later on in Lost. So I'm going to leave you all with that little tease. Bef- <laughs> I knew that would pique your interest, sir. Um, but if we don't have anything else for the episode "Killed by Death," uh, I won't uh, necessarily drag this discussion out, this podcast episode out any longer. Uh, probably the shortest one we've ever done, arguably. I think um, so. If we don't have anything else, uh, let's kick it to, uh, in no particular order, uh, Bill, Ruth, uh, Kiona, Lisa, where can they find you all across the internet? I'm just Bill Carver on Facebook, uh, Bagels and Places on Instagram. I'm uh, my name on Facebook and just plain crazy face art. Did I say, yeah, I said Facebook, lost my mind there for a second. Uh, I am on Twitter at Vivala Deadly. Okay, uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Neoplasmic24. That's uh, N-E-O-P-L-A-S-M-I-C-2-4. And you can also find me on uh, Renegade Pop Culture, uh, renegadepopculture.com, and also at Ren Pop Culture, R-E-N Pop Culture, Ren Not Stimpy. And um, that's pretty much it. Uh, we do podcasts. We cover pretty much the same things that that uh clock shelves covers um we do like music some mental health stuff we do tv shows movies video games whatever you want to see <laughs> or read about um yeah and we have podcasts and articles up on the website so check us out on there i've said if before wish. if you like what we're doing you'll like what they're doing over there at renegade pop culture good group of folks over there as for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JPGRB. You can follow more from all of us at Clock Shelves on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. The episode I Only Have Eyes for You is the next one we will be discussing right here on Buffy vs. Converse. And I do apologize, but I hope you still had a fantastic time this time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>